Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. That's right. Listen, we celebrated our three-year anniversary last week. How cool was that? In fact, you can head over to the YouTube channel, to iTunes, type in Duke Loves Wrestling, hear that excellent, excellent episode. I'll tell you, man, it's been a wild week. You know, we just we're coming off of the All Elite Wrestling Double or Nothing pay per view, and whew, you would have thought I slapped somebody's mama the way some of you folks out there have uh, given me a hard time. I, I wrote a piece. I wrote a piece over at Medium.com. Just go over to Medium and, and type in Duke Loves Wrestling. And in the piece, I, I described the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I described how I felt about the pay-per-view and some of the folks out there have just been enraged while well, some of you understand where I'm coming from so in this episode we're, we're going to dig into a little bit of that you know I have um, two guests who are going to present two sides of the coin here you know our first guest Roy Lucia you know the super fan he's going to talk about StarCast which he was there personally he was there live you know that was the mega convention that Conrad Thompson puts on and AEW double or nothing was in the middle of all that. So Roy will express his views on the whole controversy there. And then a little later in the show, you're going to hear my strong discussion with indie wrestler Dwan O'Neill, AKA second to none. And this guy just completely disagrees with me. Really upset. He's here to defend the business and, you know, all that jazz, whatever. Let's not even waste any time. Let's jump into my conversation with the super fan, Mr. Roy Lucia. So, folks, as you know, uh, my main man, Conrad Thompson, he had his second, which hopefully it's annual. I mean, you know, second time in, in, in two years here. His second version of StarCast called StarCast 2. It is the biggest wrestling fan convention and, and a lot of folks will say that it's the best because of the variety and, and all the top stars and what have you that were there. I wasn't able to make it out to Vegas to see StarCast, but I got the next best thing. Folks, let's welcome back our man, brother Roy Lucia, the super fan. How are you, Roy? I'm doing amazing. How about yourself, Duke? Very well, very well. Always great to, to hear your voice there. Now, you were at StarCast. Tell us how uh, how the whole event went there. Um, StarCast was amazing. It really was an amazing time. Um, you know, there was a wide variety of wrestlers to meet. If, for example, if you wanted to meet old WWF stars, if you wanted to meet old NWA stars, if you wanted to meet current stars, you know, there's just a nice wide variety of different stars to meet 
and you know for the most part it, the the prices were were not bad and quite reasonable, especially if you got in on the flash sales that Sarcast ended up having. For example, uh, three times before StarCast happened, they would have a flash sale going where certain people's meet and greets were half off. Now, not everybody, but pretty much 90% of the guys. So I kind of waited for that, and I got like 11 different people, and it was uh, around 200 20 bucks, somewhere around there, for 11 different meet and greets and stuff. So, for example, a Kobashi meet and greet that would have normally been 100 bucks ended up only being 50 bucks. Uh, Rock and Roll Express, which was 30 bucks, went down to 15. So, I mean, there there was a lot of different variety, and as long as you got in on a flash sale, it really didn't break the bank as much as it could have. Now, once you got in in the room. It was it was a couple separate rooms. Now I do want to make make it up front. I didn't attend any of the panels. I was only there for one day. That day being Saturday. So any of the stuff involving these panels, whether it be the free ones like the ones with Bill After or Matthew from Botchamania, or the one that Willie Mack and Chris Bay did on uh, racism and stereotypes in the sport. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go to any of that. So, because I was there for such a short amount of time, I had to be very choosy what I did with my time. But what they had was they had one room when you went down a long hall. They had a room to the left, which is where the bigger names were at, the guys that were going to sell more meet and greets, like the Bret Hart's, the Horsemen, the uh, Pentagon and Phoenix, Haku, Tomatonga, Tongaloa. Taz, people like that. And then in, to the right, they had what was called the Collector's Corner, which was about eight or nine rows of meet and greets people with their uh, merchandise, um, vendors and booths and stuff like that, like high spots, and there was a collecting card game. And it, it was not, it, like, super crowded, but, I mean, it, it was a nice line a set of people and stuff like that and in that collector's corner you got quite the time to sit there and talk with the talent too you never really felt rushed i think the only quote-unquote rush would be someone like arn anderson who had such a small window and a long line i think his thing was saturday from one to two that that one was kind of a little rushed but everyone else had a long line like or a, a, a long time, like for example, I'm going to say this one. Harry Smith, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. was listed from ten to one. He had such a steady flow of people. He stayed until pretty much the whole event ended because it's like you know, there's that chance that someone may walk up and you know want to get an autograph and a picture and stuff like that. And everyone was, everyone that I talked to was so personable and you know answered questions and I, I really was a great time. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about you, Roy, is that you're a very good record keeper. So not just the stories that you're able to tell and, and, and what have you, but you have the photos and, and messages and things and, you know, the videos and all these great things that years from now people can go back and, and take a look at. And I noticed um, you posted a photo of an autograph that Chris Jericho gave you years ago, and then you were able to get an updated version of it. So tell us, tell us that story because that's a, that's a pretty cool thing there with this this interaction with you and Jericho. <laughs> 
So the deal with Jericho is 23 years ago, um, I have a friend that lived in Orange County who ran uh, WPW, World Pro Wrestling, out of Anaheim at the Marketplace named Martin Marin. He's, he's a well-known lucha promoter that ran at the Anaheim Marketplace, and he also worked in Mexico City over the years. Well, one day he called me up and he said, hey, my friend Chris Jericho from ECW is, is in town. Do you want to come over and meet him? Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who he is because I followed CMLL. I followed, uh, you know, FMW. I followed WAR, so I knew who he was. So uh, me and a couple people I used to know went over there and went to go introduce ourselves to Jericho and hung out with him and stuff like that. And when I told Jericho uh, that I was a tape trader and that I had a satellite dish with all my uh, with the CMLL, UWA, and AAA TV shows, he told me he had no, um, uh, none of his own Lucha tapes. So what I did for him was after I parted ways with him that night, I went home and grabbed all the CMLL stuff that he was on, stayed up pretty late, and then the next day went back over there and I gave him a tape, which was like four hours of, of just his CMLL match, like a custom tape or something like that. So he ended up working in Compton later that day, too. Uh, that would be March 1st, 1996. And then he also worked another shot at the All Nation Center in Los Angeles, March 3rd, 1996. While he was there, he saw Ozzy Osbourne for the first time uh, as well, because he had never seen Ozzy before. And that's kind of what inspired him to create the band Fozzie Osborne, which now just goes by the name Fozzie. And so me and Jericho, you know, got to be pretty tight and see each other at a lot of shows and stuff like that, like the Peace Festival, Halloween Havoc, his early days at WCW and stuff like that. Well, you know, I had the period where I didn't go to any wrestling events or shows for a long time. But when every time he would sign an autograph for me, it was just a running joke between us. I'd be like, you know, screw you, Chris. Hey, screw you, Roy. So he would always sign every autograph, screw you, Roy. So when I saw him uh, last Friday night, I was leaving the MGM Grand, and as I was leaving, I looked over uh, by an ice cream shop, and I saw Chris and his family there and stuff. And, you know, people were walking up and approaching him, so it wasn't like the vibe, don't, don't approach me or something. So I went up to him, and I introduced myself. He did remember who I was and stuff. And when I... I had the Peace Festival program on me because I had a bag with all my stuff in it. It was just coincidence. So I went up to him, and I showed him the Peace Festival program, which he showed his wife and was going through each match. And he fought a triangular match with uh, Bigelow and Conan on the show. And I did need his autograph for it. So when he did the autograph on there, he wrote, Screw you, Roy, Chris Jericho, Lionheart on there. <laughs> 23 years later. 23 years later, he still wrote, screw you, Roy, on it. <laughs> Man, and, and, I, I, and I'm seeing him again in September. Uh, there, he, Fozzie's performing up here, and uh, him and I are still staying out beforehand, and I guarantee you that anything I get signed then will also have screw you, Roy, on it. You know, it, it's it's crazy, Roy, because this is, this is just one of a million stories that you have uh, with – you know, interaction with wrestlers. You you truly are a well-respected fan and historian of the sport and, and the wrestler 
uh, Jericho should get you on his show, man, because I, I can only imagine a taped conversation between the two of you just talking about some of the stuff and even you reminding him of some of the things that he's done in his career, especially his early career. That, yeah, that, would, be, he, that would be a hell of a listen. Yeah, because when, when I mentioned, do you remember working the show in Compton, you know, he, he vaguely remembered it. The only thing he remembered about it was where he stayed, the Ozzy concert, and that he worked with Superboy. But I have that show on tape. And so, I mean, I remember a lot of details about it and stuff. So, you know, definitely. It, it, you got to remember, a lot of these guys have been wrestling 20, 30 years at this point. Like, you know, for example, when I saw – uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. a uh, year and a half ago in Stockton, uh, he he got some of the names of the pay-per-views confused, and, and that's common. You can't expect someone who's worked tens of thousands of matches, you know, to know specifically each and every date. You know, that's something that a, a lot of us as fans and historians need to remember is sometimes someone's memory, you know, especially with concussions involved, may not be the best. So that's why it's a good thing to, you know, for a lot of us to keep track and records of a lot of this stuff so that we have the stories to tell all these years later. And that's that's a great point. And in that sense, you know, and personally I take it as a badge of honor, and I know you do as well, to, to be able to remind the wrestlers of these moments or, or jog their memory so it, it comes back to them. You know what I mean? Because it, it brings them back to that point when you do that, which is always a, a neat thing to do, especially for people who, you know, we, we look up to and we have appreciated who entertained us for so long. Uh, you brought up a good point, though, Roy, when you, when you talked about concussions and, and CTE and things of that nature there. I wrote a piece, which I, I posted on my, my uh, Medium site, um, where I talked about Double or nothing, AEW's pay-per-view, which, you know, was at the end of the, the, well, not even the end. It was on the Saturday of the StarCast weekend there. And one of the things that really jumped out at me that I was completely disappointed with AEW over was the fact that there were so many headshots, especially during the um, Battle Royal. The Battle Royal. The Battle Royal, yeah. It was tremendous to see. People like Tommy Dreamer picking up weapons and hitting people in the head and getting hit in the head, especially considering over the past, you know, almost 10 years now, that's really been frowned upon for major promotions in the industry. What's your impression of the headshot stuff and and just even the the AEW pay-per-view overall, how it's been received? Well, you know, for example, you know, my wife and I, I think – Yesterday, or actually the night I got back, I think we were watching Beyond the Mat, and we were watching the scene with uh, The Rock and Mick Foley at Royal Rumble 99. What was it, like 12 or 13 unprotected chair shots to the head? And I, I remember being there live for it. And, you know, at the time, it was just like, wow, that's the finish or something like that, because I just expected more out of it. But, you know, just like everything in life, you, you, you grow – and you learn and you mature and you look at it and you're just like, God, was that really necessary? That was just horrible. Um, I, I wish that, you know, they, they, the business as a whole and not just AEW, but a, a lot of these, uh, 
smaller promotions and stuff like that, you know, fans will get upset when certain guys don't work as hard as they did in front of 50 people when they get the call up and they're working in front of 12,000 people. And it's like, do you, what did they have to do to get to that point to begin with? You know, they, they did put their bodies on the line. They did do that. You even get mad at Mick Foley for grabbing a sock out of his pants and getting a bigger pop than, you know, when he, he took an unprotected chair shot to the head. You know, I, it, it's cringeworthy. It, it, it's scary to see. I, I just wish the um, – if, you, if you're going to do it, do it sporadically. Don't have – 30 chair shots to the head or weapons to the head or anything that could bring on a concussion because you just lessen the impact of it. You just possibly put someone's career at risk all, all, all to try to get that one big pop. You know, make it as sporadic as possible if you're going to do anything involving the head is, is all I would say. Not just AEW, but any promotion out there that's you know, even if you notice, even New Japan doesn't do the unprotected chair shot no. to the head anymore. No, you know, they, they, they've learned. Yeah, well, you know, what, was it, it Shibita, what was it, Shibata? Who was the guy who had the, the serious neck injury? Shibata. Shibata, and he was doing a lot of Shibata, yeah. for so many years. Um, he, he, what finally did it was unprotected headbutt to Okada in an IWGP title match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, that, and that, that's it. He's not going to wrestle again, right? No, he'll never wrestle again. He has a job for life with the company as their head yep. trainer as long as he wants it. Yep. And he's a hell of a guy and a hell of a trainer and <laughs> hell of a good memory, too. You know, he, he's a fun guy to hang out with and stuff for sure. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, he, he just he, – I guarantee you one of the lessons that he teaches the young lions in training school is the, the, the crap involving the headshots just – it's it's unnecessary. It really is. What what, you, what is your impression of not just the AEW Double or Nothing pay per view itself? Because I, I know that you know you were traveling, what have you. I'm not sure if you were able to catch the entire thing, but I'm sure you've seen most of it. But I've caught ninety five percent of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But but more importantly, the reaction of the internet wrestling community and 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 you know and. In my opinion, the overreaction. Oh, WWE's in trouble now. What is I was so. Take? I, I was so. I'm surprised. I am so surprised that I didn't see Kayfabe News come out with an article the next day saying WWE files for bankruptcy due to double nothing. You know, <laughs> the, the reactions were just. Way too much. I get it. We live in a society with the us versus them mentality. Nothing is going to change that. I, I, unfortunately, that is something in life that we're going to live with. Whether it be in politics, you're going to get the extremists on one side versus the extremists on the other side. Unfortunately, we're getting that with pro wrestling, too. We get the WWE versus the AEW fans. There's obviously enough room in this world for both and all other companies to exist. They have a fresh, hot, young product, and I loved a lot of what I saw. I loved the stuff with them bringing in the women, and Kenny Omega did a great job 
choosing the six women that he brought in for that match. That was a hell of a match. I loved that match. There was a couple other matches on there too that I really, I really loved. Uh, there was a couple matches that, you know, I, I enjoyed, uh, like what the Lucha Brothers against, uh, Pentagon and, or Lucha Brothers against the Young Bucks was great. Yeah. Well, uh, the Japanese, but, women, like you said, yeah, that, they, that was my favorite match. That yeah, was same my favorite match was the Japanese women because yeah. it's like you got Aja Kong who's, you know, been doing this for 30 something years at this point who knows. What to do to, you know, get a crowd reaction and, and, you know, make it look devastating. She did a great job there. Um, but the whole us versus them mentality, there's enough of it in the world. And do I believe that WWE needs a little shaken up? up? Um, I absolutely do. Like, I'll, l- let me just say this. When your show has 53 minutes of talking before you have your first match, uh, I, I don't agree with that. That's, that to me, it's, it was almost like, are, are you doing this on purpose? But, but um, just know that there's enough room in this world for both companies to exist, is, is the, how I feel. So, in your opinion, do you, do you feel it's an overreaction, or do you think it, it, it makes sense how people have reacted to that pay-per-view and, and its impact on WWE? Um, I don't think we'll understand the true impact yet until they actually get TV, until they're a weekly deal and we start seeing those ratings. At this point, we have a very vocal few thousand people who, for all we know, a couple thousand may have ordered it and the rest of them uh, illegally streamed it. So you could sit there and talk all you want on Twitter and social media about how great the show was, but let me ask you something. How many of those, what's the percentage of people that actually ordered that versus illegally streaming it? You know, to me, it, it, you gotta look at the big picture here. What was it at Raw last night? There was an AEW chance started, and I'm already seeing people, I'm going to Raw next week, and I'm gonna start an AEW chant too. So you're actually paying money to the comp- to the promotion that you're complaining about to go start a chant at a show. Yeah, the, yeah. WWE really lost that one. <laughs> <laughs> they got your money, bozo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, I think that's just... what a lot of these folks don't understand. At the end of the day, forget about your love of, of the game and 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 all this other garbage that a lot of these these fools. They don't apply in their real lives. You, you don't. Your job is. You don't have your job because of the love of the job. You have a job because you want to make as much money as you can to put food on the table and live a comfortable life. The the name yeah. of the game is business, and the objective of a business is to make money. And the WWE yeah. does that better than anyone has ever done it in pro wrestling. So if they continue to make all this money, what could they possibly be worried about? Yeah. I, when you're illegally streaming something, when you're still buying tickets to the competitor, you know what? It, I, the people that are on there complaining week after week and watching it and stuff like that, um, the thing is that you're still watching it. You're still giving them exposure. You know, the best thing that you can honestly do if you're really tired and fed up with something is what we call the business no-sell it. Don't discuss them. Don't bring them up. Don't, you know, don't give them the – the visibility that they are looking for. 
you know, it, I haven't watched Raw in quite some time, and there's things about the product that I don't like. However, I'm not going to sit here every single week on social media and complain about it. And just, to me, that just makes you uh, – uh, what's the point? There's, you're going to end up just <laughs> having a stroke in an early age if you do that. Just what's the well, point? And more importantly, all you're doing is continuing to boost their profile. Now, mind you, if you're watching weekly and you're critiquing it because you're trying to lead a charge to – help make a change that that's one thing and, and and that you know that that mode of doing things is is i'm i'm not against that but if you're legitimately mm-hmm. not watching but every week you're criticizing and talking trash about it and what have you you're just helping them you're giving them free advertising. yeah yeah that that's all you're doing yeah seriously so when it comes to AEW versus wwe it's just way too early to say they've ran show one which was successful um they they sold out the the I mean I don't know the specifics on uh, scalper tickets I mean I I even though I couldn't make the show live I was still keeping an eye on the scalper tickets beforehand and there was quite a few I don't know what scalpers do the day of the show to get their money back if the if the tickets didn't sell. But AEW is not the only one with this problem. I mean, there's concerts, there's WWE has the same thing, there's sporting events that have the same thing. So I, I don't know the logistics behind that, and I'm sure there's people more educated about that subject than me that could speak about that. All I know is on TV and from the people that I spoke to, uh, the, the, the seats were full, it was a hot crowd. And on paper, they did sell out of the building, regardless of any scalper tickets or whatever. Now, can they keep that up for shows two, shows three, shows four, and so on, and for their TV? You know, like a friend of mine who really educated me on this said, you know, a couple years ago when New Japan was really doing good, he thought, you really got to look at the overall picture. New Japan makes like 7 8% of what WWE makes. They have to get – to the point of how much money they're making before the WWE will really take them seriously. Just because they won one run, one show at the Tokyo Dome that draws 50,000 people is not about to put them out of business. You know, it's just, yeah, that's just ridiculous to talk about. You know, you, you, you have to do things like the video game. You know, they really tried with that video game, that super fire game, and, you know, things like that. But same thing with AEW. They want to be taken seriously. That was a great start, but that's all it was was a start. How do you keep up that momentum week after week? Your roster is, what, 40, 50 people? How every week are you going to do a TV show, keep it fresh, keep it where people keep watching and stuff like that? That's that's going to be the telling sign, you know, to, to me. Do you have anything that you want to plug uh, before we let you go there, Roy? Those, those are some solid points there, brother. Um, I got a website called Roy's Wrestling Vault dot com, like vault, like uh, V A U L T. Uh, on my website, I have the DVDs in my collection, up to date. Uh, how to watch them? Well, certain ones. If there's a YouTube link to them, my newest uploads. Some stories in the business. Uh, Lucha clippings from Los Angeles from ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. 
Um, and I'm, I, every week I'm looking to upload more and more rare footage up onto my YouTube channels. Like, uh, currently I'm working on a ton of Mexico stuff. For example, I found a TV show the other day, and the show opened up with a clip with Kamala doing an interview. Doug, did you see this at all, Duke? Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> did saw you that. see the yeah. Did you see the Black Magic one after? No, I didn't see that. I'm gonna okay, have to go Norman back Smiley. Yeah, Norman Smiley did this interview right afterwards talking about uh, Kamala. In my world, I am the magician, and you can't beat me in any city in Mexico. And it's like the second that I put it up, I had – Guys from WWE texting me like, oh, my God, that's the greatest thing ever. Because, you know, Norman works for them in, in the training camp and in yeah. the performance center and stuff. <laughs> so, you know, finding these little rare gems and stuff like that, it really, you know, it, it's what I live for. It, it's amazing to find something that, you know, wasn't out there before, or no one's seen before, and being able to share that with the world. Uh, there, there's a lot more to the wrestling world than WWE, but we also need to recognize that they're not going anywhere. One show does not mean that they're going to be going out of business anytime soon. I mean, let's let's be real, people. They they wait. They make way too much money. It, it may have shaken them a little bit as far as their um, how do you say it? Well, I'm just. Um, <laughs> We need a lot more uh, – AEW needs a lot more uh, stuff under their belt before uh, they could be a true viable uh, competitor to the WWE for sure, but that was a great start. I'll say that for them. It's always a pleasure to talk to Brother Roy. You know, he's, a, he's legitimately a super fan. He's, he's very well respected. He's just a guy that gets it, understands pro wrestling very well, understands what he likes as a consumer – of the pro wrestling product and just just a real overall great dude. So shout out to Roy. Thank you very much. As always, Roy love chopping it up with you and catching up and what have you. Now we're going to head over to a very heated conversation. So, you know, that was a very civil complimentary conversation. I had with brother Roy about to go into a heated conversation. Duane O'Neill is an indie wrestler who completely disagrees with my assessment of All Elite Wrestling and their Double or Nothing pay-per-view. And you're, you're really going to hear us go at it on this one, folks. So I'm just warning you right now. But have a listen, and, and then we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Folks, it, it really has been ridiculous. I mean, that, that's the word that comes to mind describing what's been going on here. I watched the AEW pay-per-view, and... I wrote a piece, which you can find on medium.com. Right? Just type in Duke Loves Wrestling and, and take a look at my latest uh, piece there. And in the piece, which is entitled The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, I pointed out things that I agreed with, things that I felt AEW did well, things that they did bad, and legitimately the ugly parts of, of, of that pay-per-view. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here and look the other way when I see something that makes no sense. I'm going to call it out. The response that I got has just been over the top. I mean, you know, 
any of you listeners out there, people who aren't listeners and, and now they're listeners, and even a lot of people in the wrestling industry have expressed displeasure with me over some of the things that I wrote. And one of them just happens to be one of the top indie wrestlers on the scene right now, Mr. Second to None, Dewan O'Neill. And I got him on the line here. I told you I was going to bring him on because I wanted to give him a platform to, to express how he felt. Um, but I just want to let everybody know, he sent me some very strongly worded messages regarding what I wrote. And Dewan O'Neill, I, I don't understand what your problem is because it's almost as if you and I watch two totally different pay-per-views. Duke, any time you and I watch the same thing, it's always two totally different shows. Like, I, I feel honestly that, that you almost wrote that article out of, out of anger, or, or you're, you're trolling. One of, one of two has to be true. I see, this, this is what I'm talking about. Listen, you and I, you know what I mean? We, we have had our disagreements about different topics related to pro wrestling. We've had some agreements as well. Uh, but truthfully, let, let's, let's cut all the BS here. Truthfully. The, the double or nothing pay-per-view overall was just not it. AEW is trying to position themselves as an alternative, but at the same time a competitor to the WWE. But they, they're doing headshots. People getting hit upside the head with, with foreign objects, right? Like, as if they don't give a damn about concussions and CTE. People are bleeding all over the place, and the referee doesn't even have gloves on, right? As if they don't give a damn about the safety of that situation. They can't even tell people which YouTube channel to turn to to see the free, the free offerings that they had for the pay-per-view. There's supposed to be two free matches that people were able to see, and you're supposed to see it on the, on the, uh, all Elite Wrestling YouTube channel, and then when people went to it, it wasn't there for over 40 minutes. You had to go to TNT Sports' YouTube channel, which I had to, I figured that out, because TNT Sports aired a special an hour before the All Elite Wrestling uh, pay-per-view free, free preview, or whatever the hell they want to call it. My point is this. There's a lot of dysfunction in that. And I don't understand that, especially a guy like you who's in the business, how could you look at that and not be honest about the fact that there's a lot of dysfunction there and, and, and it's things that they need to improve upon? Well, it, the, the problem is a lot of people don't take in the, the, totality, the totality of circumstances here, right? These guys are they're, – they're running they, – all Elite Wrestling is a, a brand-new baby company, and any promoter, any booker, any wrestler on the planet will tell you that – what you just mentioned is minor compared to the amount of things that could have gone wrong. And, and I feel like that because they are positioning themselves to be an alternative and or a competitor at, at some point that a lot of people are expecting, um, three wrestlers and a, a football CEO to come out and run a show with the experience and the cleanliness of, of Vince McMahon. And that's, that's not the case. Like, I, I feel like that people, naysayers are, are definitely, definitely too hard on, on the crew at AEW. I, for one, think they did a phenomenal job. Well, I, I, 
that, that's just a ridiculous point. And, and I'll tell you why that's a ridiculous point. Whatever the expectations of that exist for AEW, they created those expectations. Let me tell you something. I didn't create the narrative that they're going to be a competitor or that they're at war with WWE. That's what they're pushing. They're telling everybody that. They're telling everybody this is going to be this great thing. And then they go out there and they make these, quite frankly, unnecessary mistakes. I mean, just unnecessary. You can't tell me that headshots are something that can't be avoided. You can't tell me that. Nate, have, you, have you heard of creative control? Creative control? So you mean to yeah, tell absolutely. me? <laughs> you got to be kidding me right now. A creative Why? control? Why? So, so, you, so you're going to have people get their brains bashed in in your company, right? The first thing that people see is somebody getting their head bashed in in your company when you own soccer teams and football teams. When concussions and CTE, there's lawsuits everywhere. There's all kinds of stuff going on that, that you, you're very knowledgeable about. And I'm talking about the Khan family, people that own this operation, people who are going to be responsible and on the hook when things go south when these wrestlers start suing them in a couple of years, right? You mean to tell me they're going to give creative control to wrestlers to bash their heads in? Come on, stop it right now. It's, it's, an, it's an alternative. And who's to say who knew what? For, for one, you weren't in the locker room, neither was I. So who's to know, who's to say? The, the, the thing about, like, pay-per-views and things of this nature, it happens live and at a split second. Like no one knows who knew what. No one knows if they were told. No one knew. No one knows if these guys are going to be punished. If they're not going to be punished, nobody knows if they were even instructed to do it. Those. These are. That, that's just the truth. That's that's what I'm saying. I feel like that. I feel like you aren't looking at this, uh, with, with with an open mind. That I feel like that. You kind of just see it. A guy gets hit in the head with something, and you just you kind of just like f this. Like that's that's what I feel like you're like. And I I think that's unfair. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I've, I've literally been studying the CTE issue since the inception of this podcast. I mean, I've had Big Vito come on the show and, and, and go into pretty great detail about it. I've had Pat Carter, former NFL player and, and a former NFL uh, assistant coach, go into great detail about this CTE issue. It's something that we're very serious about. So when I see a promotion that's a new promotion, and the first thing that they show me is people getting their head smashed in, oh, I, I walk away from that and I say, well, that's pretty irresponsible, period. Irresponsible. Unnecessary. But again, how, how are you holding the company to that? Did you do due diligence and look at the what, what happened inside of that match? I don't, I don't think that you did. I don't even know I feel what that like means. What does that even mean? I feel I feel like you saw someone get hit in the head with something. I mean, who's who's to say that it, it was supposed to be that way? Like, who's who's to say that? I, I feel like that, that there wasn't enough research done by you. You just looked at it and kind of like, okay, yep, I'm over it. And, and that's, you know how that's many headshots right. were in that match, Dewan O'Neal? Do you know how many headshots were in that match? No, I didn't count them. I was I was too busy being a fan. There were over a dozen of them. <laughs> I counted. I think... Do you understand? It wasn't like it was a one-time deal. <laughs> I don't think they're over a dozen headshots. Okay, I think you better go back and watch again, my man. 
it was it was headshot city. I'm gonna go back and rewatch that. I, I, a dozen scenes except. Okay, well now you now you're speaking my language, aren't you? Yeah. It, no, no, I'm saying you were insinuating that there was a dozen scenes excessive. That seems like a, a mighty high. That seems like a high number um, to to throw out there. I, I'm gonna have to go back and like, rewatch. I've got there was no way near twelve. No way. So, so, so you the 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 actual wrestler here? Because I'm not a wrestler. I don't I don't claim to be a wrestler. I'd be the first person to tell you there's no way I could do what you guys do. Where's the threshold when we, we it, it was an accident, but now that was on purpose and that was too much? I mean, what's what's the number there for for you personally? If if, if you're taking a look at someone, your experience and your understanding, how many headshots is too many? Uh, me personally, uh, about four, around four. Four. Yeah. Four. And my my, I'm I'm, a, I'm unlike. You, I'm a very understanding person, right? So the first one, okay, could have been nerves. The second one, all right, settle down. The third one, oh, okay, this is this, this is a habit now. Like, and then you start to take measures to protect yourself. And then after the fourth one, like it's it's going to be what it's going to be. Okay, well, it was what it was, which was just a stinker in that regard. It it, it totally ruined the entire battle royal match which really was a, a hodgepodge of nonsense to begin with uh there were some very entertaining spots I, I think mjf was was fantastic i think sonny kiss did a great job as well i don't understand why sonny kiss hasn't been promoted more than he has but that's a whole other story uh but the two of them were, were highlights for me i thought orange cassidy and his little in the pockets gimmick okay i mean that's going to entertain somebody fine but the headshots t- took me out and what took me out even more was Adam Page winning that match. Makes no sense. Zero sense for this guy to be the, the number one contender to battle for the, the AEW championship. Why does that make no sense to you? Well, who else is in the title picture? So he's guaranteed a shot against the winner of the Kenny Omega-Chris Jericho match, right? Well, well, realize, too, that there was no title picture. Like, they made the title picture that night. So you can't say that, I mean, you have your favorites and you have your, hey, this guy's probably going to do it. And everyone has uh, an armchair booker seat and they're going to say, hey, you know, they should put it on this guy. And then they're going to get a contingency of believers and, hey, they should put it on this guy. And then that guy's going to, but they, there, there was literally no title picture prior to Double or Nothing. So I don't even know what you're talking was. about. They announced that the winner of the Jericho Omega match was going to take on the winner of the Battle Royal, and that was, and the person who wins that match would be the first AEW champion. So they're letting no, no, you that, know. They, they were painting the picture for you before you that, even started the review. That, that is that is a frame. That's not like because you had all these different personalities in, inside of the Battle Royal. You had you had them all. So I, I, I mean, I can't believe that you're you're shocked or surprised or taken aback by the fact that Adam Page won it. I'm not surprised, Adam shocked, or taken aback. I'm disgusted by it. Why? Who's in the title picture? Once again, Adam Page, Chris Jericho. One of those two are going to be the first champion. Kenny Omega, at some point, is going to have to get his his rematch. You have Cody Rhodes, which everyone's expecting at some point he's going to be in that mix. 
And then you have Dean Ambrose or Johnny Moxley, whatever the hell he calls John, him. John, John Moxley. And, and you then you have MJF who created a, a, a feud with Adam Page. So all six of those people have let, they've communicated to the world. These are the six people who we're going to start our title picture with. These are our top six. These are the ones. Everybody else is everybody else. This is what we got here. And, and all yeah. six of those men have skills. I don't understand. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Their, 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 their bad moments are far and few in between. If, if you can remember any in recent history. Like, like, I don't understand what the problem is. It's, it's wrestling. Of course you don't understand. Why would you understand? Why, why would somebody who just wants to defend, that's, that's what you do, which I notice a lot with you, uh, Dewan. You defend wrestling even when it doesn't make sense. At some point, it's okay to take a step aside and say, hey, you know what? That doesn't make sense. That wasn't right. It, it doesn't make any sense to claim that you're going to promote women's wrestling and women's wrestling is going to be a focus in your company. And then both women's matches are so far down the card. It's, it's, it literally is an embarrassment. You couldn't have put the women's match that which should have been a triple threat, but they turned it into a a four way. You couldn't have put that in one of the last three slots on the card. Who booked it? If you're serious about promoting something, why wouldn't you put it in a featured spot? Every every match in in that particular show was a feature match. Every match was an AEW audition. You're, you're kidding me right now. I'm not kidding you because the, the the microscope of the world was was on MGM Grand that evening, and every match was an audition. Hey, we signed this person. We signed this person. We signed this person. Even if you were not a follower of the elite, you know, Cody, the Young Bucks. Omega in that camp before AEW, the fact that they sold out MGM Grand and they were doing something different put eyes there. There were people in Vegas, probably not even wrestling fans, that bought tickets just because they were in Vegas. So, how does it not make any sense? It can't be an audition if they're already hired on the damn in a damn company. The people who aren't hired. Most of them were people who were already under contract elsewhere, like the Lucha Brothers. No, 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 I'm not Aja talking Kong. about. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the wrestlers auditioning. I'm talking about the company in itself. Every what match, are they auditioning for? They already got their deal. There's no audition. The, They're in. No, no, no. The, the, the eyes of the world were on like this product and whether or not, hey, this is good, this is bad. Hey, maybe they need a stronger women's division. Everyone has an opinion, and a, a brand new company like Making Waves. Is going against you know the big boys up north. They every match was legit in audition. Some some went really really well. Some I would have probably booked differently. But every match was an audition for the world for AEW. And I don't understand like what a quote unquote feature spot is supposed to look like. I don't know. Look at look at Cody Rhodes and, and, and Dustin Rhodes. That, that looked like a feature to me. The Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. That, that was a feature. Certainly Omega and Jericho were a feature. You mean to tell me you couldn't put the main women's match that you had, which should have been a triple threat, but they turned into a fatal four-way, you 
you couldn't have put that as one of the last three matches. It should have been the second to last match. I mean, and before the three, it was a women's match. Before the three, you just named. You're missing my point. (laughs) That's the point I'm making. Why would you, if it's so important, why is it so far down the the damn uh, the damn match card? It should be in one of the top three spots. I don't think positioning on a card dictates the importance of your match. You're out of your mind. I, I, this is embarrassing. You're insulting. You're insulting people's intelligence now with statement like that. And, and I don't. How know so? I, How let so? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The first match on the card sets the tone for the entire card. Okay. Your main event is the is the the, the thing that's supposed to bring people in. And then you have a special attraction match, depending on what type of card this is. This is a pay-per-view, right? So, so you have your special attraction match, which was the Cody and, and, and Dustin Rhodes match. I would argue that that match was promoted more than any other match. If you say you're serious about women's wrestling, there is absolutely, positively no reason why the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers had to go after the women's match. The main women's match. I'm not talking about the Japanese ladies who ended up having the best match of the night, by the way. The main women's match. There was no reason why that match shouldn't have been the second to last match of the night. What, what are you? What are you grading? What are you? What are you grading them as the best match of the night? I, I disagree there as well. But of course you would. Of course you. Would. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But before that, it was a Cody. It was it was, it was Cody. They were right before Cody and Dustin. Again, and, and you know and, what that you know we know what that position was. That was a bathroom break break position. Just so you know, just so what? you can score here. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can read every other review. The way that that card was built, that women's match was built as a bathroom break match. I disagree. I, the the best friends versus. Angelico and 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 uh and uh, who did he tag with Jack Evans? That that was more of a bathroom break match than the Japanese women's match. The Japanese women's match. No, I'm not talking about the, the Japanese, Japanese women. I'm talking about the the other women's match, the main women's match. The Japanese women's match was great. That was the best thing. You talking about uh? You talking about uh? Britt Britt Baker and uh? Kyla Ray Kyla Ray with uh? Yeah, Nyla keep Rose. going. Nyla Rose and an awesome call. Awesome sure. Car. Yeah. yeah, they they completely disrespected the, the entire concept of women's wrestling by the way that they chose not to promote that match. It was embarrassing. I'm holding them accountable. Okay, let me tell you something. I I have no issue with AEW being a an, a, a another place for you wrestlers to work. I think that's a great thing. Okay, are they competition in WWE? It's embarrassing to even say that. Of course they're not. Uh, but the fact that they're another place to work, congratulations. But when you tell me that you're going to present yourself a certain way and that these are the expectations and then you fall short, well, then I'm going to call it out. What, how, what, how do they fall short is, is what I'm asking you. Come they, on. They, is, what do you mean? This is probably and, – and this, this, is, this was probably – Legit, the most diverse card on pay per view in wrestling ever. You're calling that card diverse? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You're looking, at, you're, right look, you're looking at the at the at the at the the six people who are in the the title picture. The last three matches of the night. Hell, the last four matches because that fourth match was they just threw a bunch of Japanese people in, in the same ring and say, "Hey, there's our diver." You know what? I, you and I are going to agree or disagree because at this point you're insulting people's intelligence, and and I think that's enough. what I think it's enough. So how about this? Plug your social media and all that stuff, because at this point you're being ridiculous. You you just want to protect the business by sticking up for stuff that's complete nonsense, and it's embarrassing. I'm just going to tell you, you that person, it's embarrassing. Listen, we'll 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 I'll agree to disagree for the sake of keeping the peace. Uh, you guys out there, if you can find me on Becoming Second to None on YouTube, uh, Dewan O'Neill One on Instagram. Dewan O'Neill, the number two, the number two, the letter N on Twitter, and uh, Dewan O'Neill on Facebook. If you w- would like to can- continue this discussion, I can't believe uh, Duke. You're an intelligent guy, man. You got to know better than this. I- I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. I apologize because I thought this guy was going to come in and actually be, you know, be forthcoming and tell the truth. Instead, I got a company man uh, skit going on here it's company what it's a company it, it, man it sounds like it sounds like the boys in wwe are, are are greasing your palms to have this debate with me do that's what it sounds like i'm gonna get to the bottom of this man i i swear to you i am but you you and i offline have had better conversations about this than this you're you just you're, truly this has just been an embarrassment everybody knows that i take wwe to task more than anybody so the fact that anyone would even claim that I'm, my palm is being greased, it's an embarrassment. I'm holding both companies accountable for what they say. You, on the other hand, are trying to cake for AEW, and and I guess we'll just, you know, you, you got the Superman uh, tattoo, so I guess you're the AEW Superman now. Good job. DeWan O'Neill, everybody, he's second to none. He is the AEW Superman. <laughs> wow. That's that's how you're gonna sign me off, Duke. I I don't have a choice. There's always a choice. That's that's exactly the point of AEW. That's exactly what I've been trying to make you understand. There's always a choice. So there you have it. And you know, like I told you, folks, it was just it was contentious. It was absolutely contentious. And quite frankly, that stems from Mr. Dewan O'Neill, aka Second to None. You know, this indie wrestler. He wants to be the Superman. He wants to defend AEW to the end. And it's it's really silly. And a lot of folks out there, this is what they're doing. Listen, I don't have an issue with AEW. I want them to succeed. But I'm going to hold them accountable, especially if they're going to claim that they are competition to the number one pro wrestling company in history. WWE and and everybody listening to this show you know I take the WWE to task every single week one of the things that really annoyed me uh, this week in WWE programming was the fact that the lack of emphasis on women's wrestling continues they act as if they can't have one more than one or two women's matches despite the fact that they have the most talented 
collection of women's talent in the entire wrestling industry. It, 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 it just boggles my mind. The lack of consistent quality storylines and matches for the women. And time for them to do their thing. I also felt the first hour of Raw had very, it didn't really have any wrestling in it, which didn't make any sense to me. Now, mind you, you know, Cesaro carrying that punk ricochet, that made up for it because that was a pretty solid match. I enjoyed the tag team match with Becky Lynch and, and, and Nikki Cross against the Iconics. Wow, we, we, I was asking last week, where are the Iconics? Well, we, I guess we found them. Um, yeah, that was cool. And the main event was all right, too. But my point is that I wish there was a little bit more wrestling and, and there should have been more women's content. I take the WWE to task. You all know that. I don't play games. So why do you expect me to give AEW some kind of pass when they themselves are marketing themselves not only as an alternative, but as a competitor to the WWE? Okay, competitor. Here's what I like and here's what I don't like. I like the Japanese women match. It was great. Young Bucks versus the, the Lucha Brothers. That was that was solid. I didn't like all the blood. I didn't like the the, the headshots, and I I certainly didn't like the fact that you don't understand how to use your YouTube channel properly. And furthermore, the commentary was terrible. Jim Ross was sitting there with Alex Marvez, who never did wrestling, a wrestling commentary before, and Excalibur. And those two bozos, they were going too fast. Nothing that they said actually mattered. Meanwhile, Jim Ross was telling stories. Okay? He was putting a soundtrack to the visual that we saw. Jim Ross was excellent. Those other two guys, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Don't do it again. Get rid of them, or these guys got to improve. And for Marvez, I, I, I'll give him a pass because that was his first shot. I guess he's going to improve upon the job eventually. Hopefully. Who knows? Excalibur, I mean, he has some experience. I don't know why the guy wears a mask. That's kind of weird. That's a whole other story. So, you know, I'm not going to stop providing detailed, sharp analysis because I respect you listeners. I respect your intelligence. That's the name of the game here. And if AEW is going to be in the game, okay, bring it on. I'm going to call them out. For the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's how it goes. I thought Brandy Rose is fantastic. I do wonder, the executive structure of AEW, you know, where's, where are the people of color? And I'm not talking about the owners. They're the ones with the money. With the exception of Brandy Rhodes, where, where are the people of color at? They're backstage agents who, you know, the ones that they've made public and the ones we've seen in, in, in pictures, where are the people of color at? They're preaching diversity and the top six people who are presented to everybody as having anything to do with their title picture are white guys. Where was the diversity at? Oh, 
because you put six Japanese women in a, in, a, in, a, in a ring against each other, six Asian women, and you said, hey, there it is. Come on, stop that. But take that Japanese match out of it. it you know, the guy from uh, SCU, Scorpio Sky, was the only person of color who even was in a winning effort on the card. That's diversity? Well, I mean, come on, Duke. Somebody has to lose, man. What's the big deal? Well, that's a pretty big deal. You claim diversity, and, and, and then you you don't present folk in a manner that lets the world know that you, the company, feels that they're special. It's like the women. I don't have a problem with, with Dr. Britt Baker winning her match. I have a problem with the fact that her match wasn't the second-to-last match of the night. The most important championships in that company should be the women's and the men's championship. World Heavyweight Championship. Those two are it, and everything else comes after that. The women should have either been the main event or the co-main event, period. Period. If you're serious about diversity, that is what you do right out of the gates. A bunch of humanoids out there says, well, you know, it was their first major pay-per-view, man. Give it time. What time? If you're serious about it, you, you walk in the door that way. What time? There's no time. What time? Not to mention that was their second pay-per-view. All In was the first pay-per-view. Well, they weren't really called AEW before, you know. Ah, stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it. Give me that crap. Don't give me that crap. You look at the top of the of, of the, the title picture. You're, you're guaranteed Adam Page versus Chris Jericho because they said the winner of the Jericho Omega match was going to take on the winner of the Battle Royal and whoever won that match would be crowned AEW's first champion. So that's what we have coming up. Kenny Omega is going to ask for a rematch, of course. Cody Rhodes has to be in the picture at some point. MJF has an issue with Adam Page, so he's somehow, some way involved. And oh, by the way, a guy by the name of Johnny Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose, he inserted himself into stuff. Six people. Not a single one of them is a person of color. Don't tell me you have diversity. What diversity? I had a couple of people say to me, well, what people of color could you get? There are none who could be in that spot. Come on. Don't do that. Don't do that. There isn't a single Asian, Hispanic, black wrestler on the planet who could have been put in the MJF or Adam Page spot where you're featuring them on Being the Elite, where you're featuring featuring them on your uh, social media, where you're telling the world that these are important people that they need to pay attention to, where you're giving them featured spots on the pay-per-view for them to shine. You couldn't do that. But you're different, right? You're the alternative, right? 
You care about this stuff, right? It's a joke. But I'm the bad guy because I called it out. People are upset with me because I said that the headshots were, were ridiculous and it shouldn't be happening. In the CTE era, people are upset with me for calling that out. People are upset with me because I said, hey, the blood, what the hell was that? The ref doesn't even have gloves on. People are mad at me over that. I got guys in the business who contracted hepatitis. People bleeding all over the place. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And the worst part is, I'm not mad at AEW. I'm just holding them accountable. These are the things you need to improve upon. That's what I said in my article. And they got time to improve upon these things. But we can't pretend like it didn't happen. And we can't pretend like we can't speak up about it. Or nothing will change. That's one thing that I know about the, the entire industry. We can make change. If we put the pressure on them. Make no mistake about it. Kofi Kingston being champion is, is an example of change where we just put the pressure on them. You couldn't say the man didn't grab the brass ring. You couldn't say that the man wasn't marketable enough. You could, there was nothing you could say about Kofi Kingston. It's not good enough. Give me a break. You had to put the title on that man. Could not justify not doing it. So... AEW will not be treated specially. I am going to call them out the way I call the WWE out. I'm going to point out what I like, like the Japanese women's match. I'm going to point out what I don't like, like the headshots. And to the Dewan O'Neills of the world, to the humanoids out there, Cody Rhodes himself, I don't care. Be upset. That's your business. It's your cross to bear. Got to get out of here. Join us next week, folks. I, you know, I have some some powerhouse interviews, some great content coming up. In fact, I'm going to throw something out there to you. I am looking for someone with ballet experience, a dancer, preferably who has ballet experience, because one of the things that I hear when I'm complaining about the headshots and the blood. You know, a lot of these people in the wrestling industry and even some of these fans who think they're so smart. Well, you know, it ain't ballet. It ain't ballet. It's wrestling. Disrespecting ballet and dance. Acting as if it's not physically demanding on the people who, who participate in such mediums of entertainment. So I'm going to get a ballerina. I'm going to get a ballet dancer to come on the show and to educate everyone, including myself, on just how physically demanding ballet is. Because I think that's, that's an interesting thing here. I surmise, I, 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 I'm taking a wild guess here, that it's pretty physically demanding. And their injuries are pretty real. So maybe this whole this same ballet talk needs to go by the wayside. I don't know. Duke loves wrestling. R a s s l i n 
at gmail.com. Shoot me, shoot me a message or, or shoot me a message on Facebook or Twitter at Duke Loves Wrestling. If you are a dancer, if you have ballet experience, or if, if you have somebody you want to suggest and they're cool with it, we'll bring them on the show. I'll interview them. They can share their experience and, and we'll, we'll put it on the show, broadcast it to the world, and we'll challenge these, these ridiculous concepts. Train don't stop, baby. <laughs> this is Duke Loves Wrestling. We're three years in the game. We're not stopping. We're going to keep the pressure on on these topics. Get you to think. Maybe look at things a little differently. Question what's been given to you. Why not? And if you disagree, that's okay too. I'm all for it. Everybody knows I won't run away from a discussion, a debate. I'm all for it. Bring it. Bring it on. That's right. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Oh, listen. Hey, hey, before I let you go, head over to the YouTube channel. It is not under the Duke Loves Wrestling playlist. You're going to have to look at my my uploads, but I uploaded a, a exclusive interview with the one, the only Peter Vesey. He's in the, the Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, he's an award-winning journalist and, and writer. And he talks about the NBA Finals and, and some other things, the mess that happened with the Lakers, the whole nine yards. This is this is something related but separate to what we're doing over here. It, it was such a great interview that I had to make it its own separate thing. It's a special. I think I entitled it the NBA Finals Special. So head over to YouTube and check that out too, please. Please. My man Peter Vesey, that's the dude right there, man. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.